Thanksgiving. Um, I'm Tammy, for those of you guys that don't know me. And um, I've been here a, couple, a few times. I mean, I've come here all the time, right? But I've sp- spoken a few times. I think the last time was about, I don't know, three months ago. Uh, I spoke on forgiveness. Um, so today I'm going to share something. But before we do that, we're going to pray. So, um, you know, praying for me is a small part. But what I really want us to do is pray for our own hearts. Because if our own hearts are anointing, I can just get up here and say, Jesus. And you guys will be like, oh, yes. You know, so we want to pray for our own hearts to be anointed. So let's pray right now. Um, just put your hand over your heart, if you don't mind. And just ask the Lord to meet you. So I'm going to pray, and then you're going to agree with me if you want to. And if you don't want to, um, that's fine, too. Um, but I hope that you do. So, um, Lord, we just come right now, and we ask that you would show us your heart, God. We love you. We want to know you more, God. Would you anoint our hearts this morning to hear your words, to hear your heart, to know your thoughts, and to to have a greater sense of what it means to know you and to walk with you, God. Uh, We love you, God, and we, we give ourselves to you this morning. Would you anoint our hearts to hear your words this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so thanks for letting me come. I'm glad to be here. Vintage is awesome. We love it. I think I've spoken, I've spoke at camp. How many kids were at camp? How many youth were at camp that heard me or people, volunteers, whatever that heard me speak? So if I tell some of the same stories, are you guys going to throw like tomatoes at me or something? Okay. Okay. So I may, I don't ever know what's going to come out of my mouth. You'll find out as soon as I do when it comes out. Um, and so sometimes it could be something you've heard before. So you promise? Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna uh, we're gonna speak this morning contending prayer. I spoke about prayer here. I, I was trying to think back, and I was talking to Steve about it, and we were talking about this morning's message. I think I spoke some a similar message about 13 years ago, and so I'm here speaking. If you've heard it 13 years ago, you can just maybe we just need a refresher, right? And again, it'll be totally different because you never know how it's gonna come out of my mouth. So this morning we're gonna talk about um, contending prayer, and contending prayer means fighting prayer. A lot of us in American culture don't know what that means. You know, um, I got a free trial on Instacart when I got here to America a couple years ago. And I was, it was like a seven-day trial. And I was like, this is awesome. You can just order what you want. It just comes to your door in an hour and a half. You know, and so it's a, it's a culture. This culture is all about Amazon Prime, one-day delivery. Oh, gosh, i got to wait two days for my Amazon delivery. You know, and, and drive through, you know, order your Diet Coke from McDonald's, and, and it's, it's ready in seconds, right? If you have to wait for more than two or three minutes at a Starbucks, you get frustrated. So our culture doesn't really lend itself to waiting on God, does it? Because we we, our culture doesn't lend us to, any, to waiting on anything. We consider even the tiniest wait inconvenient, and we get frustrated, and we get, we get, you know, we get upset about it, right? And so in this culture, I think it's even harder. I think about India, you know, where I've lived for the past, um, up until two years ago, I've lived there for 23 and a half years, um, I think about there were times where we would be on a road trip and something would happen to our car and we would be in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and, and with all my kids, you know, I have 46 kids for those that don't know me. All my kids, you know, we'd be, they would be thirsty and we'd have like a bottle of water. We'd have passed it out. We were still waiting for something to happen. You know, we sometimes waited six, eight, ten hours without water in India in the desert. You know, it's like, and, and you know what? My kids didn't even complain. Because it's, it's the culture there, there's an inherent sense of you have to wait. That's just life. And, but in America, I, I noticed that, like, that's just not true at all, is it? Yeah, you know, and so um, 
when I speak about contending prayer, I'm talking about like patiently waiting on God, contending with God, fighting with God, but, but, but knowing that, that uh, waiting, on, waiting on things is not the end of the world, right? Sometimes we have to wait on God. Um, so I have a picture in my head of contending prayer, and it's from Genesis 32, uh, 24 through 26. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was, was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go, for it's daybreak. And we know that that was, you know, an incarnation of the Lord. Um, and, he, and Jacob replied, I will not let go until you bless me. And so in my head, when I speak about contending prayer, I'm talking about that. Wrestling with God. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I won't let go until I have breakthrough. I'm not going to stop praying till I get the answer, till something happens. That's what I'm talking about, contending prayer. God, if you don't come through, we are dead. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about, contending prayer, that, that Jacob's, the image of Jacob wrestling with God and him saying, I won't let go till you bless me. You know, and so uh, I think God loves that. And it, it has come to define my walk with him over the years. Times on my, ter- we have terraces in India. You, you can walk, every roof has a terrace. So you walk up steps and there's a, there's a big flat space. And have been, have been, Marked by me walking around my terrace. God, come through. I need you. Break through, God. And my kids doing the same thing, learning how to contend on, with, with God for breakthrough. So um, we've seen a lot of miracles in our home. And if you've heard me speak, you've probably heard me tell some miracle stories. And I love to tell stories because I'm a storyteller. So I'm not a lie teller. I'm a storyteller. There's a difference. <laughs> um, um, we've seen a lot of bona fide miracles. And, I, I, again, I don't know what stories I've told, so forgive me if I've told this before. But are we good? Okay, so um, back, in the, back in probably about 10 years ago, um, 10 or 12 years ago, we really, really uh, had, you know, we were st- K-Homes, was, our, our ministry is K-Homes. It's a, a children's home. We, um, we really didn't have a lot, and we had a team coming over and, um, and from a church. And the team said, we'd love to bless your kids um, with instruments. We know that some of your kids are interested in music. We know that some of your kids have taught themselves how to play the guitar and the drums and everything else. Would it be okay if we, if we brought instruments over from the U.S.? And I said, absolutely. That would be awesome. What a great gift. Yes, bring them. You know, and so I said, I said let's just keep it a secret. So I didn't tell my kids. I didn't mention it. But um, I knew that they'd be excited because my kids love music. They love to sing and they love to play instruments. We didn't have very much. And so I didn't say a word. They, the team came. They, they unloaded, and, they, and they, uh, you know, the next day they just got up early in the morning, and they laid out all the instruments and plugged them all up and had everything. We had the whole – we had a really nice keyboard. We had a couple of bass guitars, a couple of, a couple of uh, guitars, um, a drum kit, um, speakers, the whole thing, um, the little board that you control everything with, whatever that's called, soundboard. Clearly, I'm not into music. We had a lot of funny, fun stuff, okay? And so they had it, and the kids came out. And they saw the they saw the instruments, and um, and they were so excited. And my most musical son, his name was Min Loon, he was beside himself. He was just weeping, and he wouldn't touch anything. He just sat there weeping, and he literally just sat there and kind of got into a corner. And he was probably about 12 years old, and he's just weeping and weeping and crying and crying. And I just went and put my arm around him and said, "Are you so happy?" He goes, "You don't understand." And I was like, "Oh, I know. He loves music. He's so happy." He says, "No, no, you don't understand." And I said, I was hugging him, and I was like, wow, he's so emotional. You know, but then he just ran off, and he ran, ran to his room, and he got a journal, and he came back and showed me. And there was day after day after day after month after month after month of him just praying, God, would you please provide our home with instruments? 
And he had just been praying that again and again and again. He had just written page after page after page for months on end. God, I'm believing you for instruments. We need this. We need a drum kit. We need a guitar. We need, a, we need this. We need that. And he's just asking God, I know you'll do this for us, God. I know. And so he was weeping because he had seen God answer his prayers. And he had contended, this little 12-year-old. And he had learned that because we contend in our home all the time. From day one until now, contending prayer has marked us as a family and as a home. I think about one time... Um, this is probably when I had less kids. I think I probably had about, tw- about 20 kids maybe at that time. I, y'all are laughing. Only 20. Um, and so um, we would have to go places, and we had a small van that could fit a little shell of a, of a you, don't, you guys, if you saw it, you'd laugh, a tiny little mini, not even a minivan, a tiny little vehicle that was held together by nothing. And we pushed our kids in to go to school, and we got to a point where they were too big, and we couldn't push it. We were like, I was like, suck your breath in. Put your book bag on top of your head. We're going to, you know, and I was just packing the kids in to go to school, but it just wasn't possible because, you know, we had uh, not enough space. And so, um, and so we'd take two trips in the van, and we could barely fit the kids in two trips in the van to school. And so we just said, you know what? we got to ask God. And so we got a picture of a bus, and we, a minibus, and we just put it on the wall of where we had our mills, our, our, um, our family room. And I, we just stuck the picture right on the wall with tape. Guys, we got to pray for a bus. We need a bus bad. This is not a want or a desire. This is a need. And so the kids began praying, God, you can only give us a bus. Yes, God. And just every day we prayed, morning, afternoon, night, whenever anybody would gather, we'd pray for the bus. I mean, it began so rote that even like before they would watch a TV show, they were like, let's pray for the bus first before we watch a movie. And so they would pray, God, would you give us a bus? Would you give us a bus? Again and again and again and again for four months, day after day. And I get a phone call, and it's just this guy on the other line. He says, Tammy, I can't get it out of my head. I'm just a regular guy. I don't really hear from God in these ways, but I have the strong impression that God wants me to buy you a bus. Is that something you need? Am I hearing from God? And I was like, are you hearing from God? Yes, you're hearing from God. You know, and I told him how we've been praying, and I showed him a photo of the, of the, of the wall, you know, and so he, he was so touched and so moved, and we were so touched and so moved, and within probably three weeks later, we had a minibus. So when I, when I speak of continuing prayer, it's experiences like this. And I'll tell you a lot more, but because of, uh, you know, in the interest of time, I won't tell you everything. But I'll tell you whatever comes out of my mouth. We'll see. But God wants to develop this spiritual fortitude and stamina in us to believe him for impossible things, to keep praying, to keep praying, to persevere, to contend. And, uh, and God's taught me about three different things, I think, over my years in India. And he's refined it a lot, too, and he's deepened me, and he's seasoned me, and he's helped me to, to see even, even more depth in these things. But the first one is really easy. It's from 1 Thessalonians 5.12. Anybody know what that says? Yes, Tammy does interactive messages. Anybody know? Ephesians 6.18 and 1 Thessalonians 5.12, basically the same thing. What does it say? Pray without ceasing. Yeah, pray without ceasing. And so pray without ceasing to pray continually. And that's the, second, that's the first thing that God's taught us, is when it comes to contending prayer, pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean you have to pray 24-7 every, every, you know, when you're, at all times. It doesn't exactly mean that, but it just means continually keep it before God. Continually pray. Just pray. Keep it. Be, be diligent. Be thoughtful and keep praying. Just pray continually. Pray continually. Sometimes it might mean breakfast, lunch, and dinner over a bus. At other times it might be writing a line in your journal every day for six months. But whatever it is, it's, it's, it's praying continually, praying without ceasing. And so I think about, um, 
one of my, uh, two of my boys, her names are Kiran and Arun. And Kiran and Arun came to us after the death of, um, well, their, their mother was killed by their father. And their father was, uh, was killed by the police. And so they came, they went to a, 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 a I don't know how to say it in, in, uh, in American terms. They went to a really, like a, a juvenile center. And they were really, they were young. Uh, Kiran was probably about 11. And Audrey was about nine. Well, they were about seven and nine when they went, but when I got them, they were 11 and nine. And so uh, we, we took them in our home, and we, we were happy to have them, just great kids. We loved them to death. Kitten is my oldest boy, so we had him in year one. So I was like 27 and then got an 11-year-old, <laughs> you know. And so um, literally um, we took these two boys in, just they were the best. I mean, and, and so um, they've been at our home about two years, and they were flourishing. So um, I want to say Kitten could have been 11. He, he must have been 12 or 13, and his brother must have been about 9 or 10. And so they were doing so great. They loved school. Turns out they loved school, loved it. They were excelling, and they were just doing great in every way. I mean, super adjusted to our family, super connected, uh, healthy. We're just really, really pleased with these two boys, and, uh, and they were so happy to be there. And so we get a phone call from the social worker who had brought them to us and said, hey, um, the paternal's father, the, pater- the father's uh, brother, the paternal uncle. Now, in India, there's a hierarchy. So if you have a father and the father has an older brother and you were to pass away, the older brother has the authority in the family legally and, and also socially. And so they said the, the paternal uncle has called and he has a farm and he wants these boys now. He says they're big enough. He wants them back. He wants them to work on the farm. And I said, well, absolutely not. They're going to school. And they live, they live in a remote village about 12, 15 hours away. And uh, he said, no, he doesn't want them to go to school. He wants them to work on the farm. They're old enough. And I said, absolutely not. And the social worker said, listen, the paternal uncle has all authority. He's already got a court order. He's coming to get these two boys. There's nothing you can do about it. And yet it's not right, but it is what it is. You need to adjust and understand this is India. And I was just like, are you kidding me? This was on a Thursday afternoon that I got this news. The tickets already bought. The uncle's coming on Sunday. And so... We just, I mean, we have to, we got, have to go talk. The staff, we're weeping, we're crying, we're frustrated, we're upset. And, and we just decide there's nothing we can do except to pray for a miracle. And so we sat there, and we, and we gathered Kitten, and we gathered our room and told them what was happening. And then we gathered the older kids, and we said, let's pray, and let's fast. The Kitten said, let's fast. Let's not eat. Let's, let's fast uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that, 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 uh, that the uncle will change his mind. We don't want to go with him. We don't even know him. He's nobody to us. We've never seen him. He's not a part of our lives. We don't want to work on a farm. We want to go to school. We want to be here with you. And so we're sitting there, and we're just so emotional and so upset. And, there's no, and, and the world is telling us there's nothing you can do. It's done. There's a court order. He's coming. There's a, plane, there's a train ticket bought. He's on his way. He'll be on his way. He's leaving Saturday night. He'll be here Sunday morning. Have, have the boys ready. And so we just began praying. Thursday night, just prayed for a couple of hours. Just, God, God, would you change the uncle's mind? Would you change his mind? Would you change... God, please change his mind. Well, let this not happen. Just put a stop to it. Do whatever you have to. Do whatever you have to through the train, God. Do whatever it takes to, like, to, to thwart these plans. They're not, they're not uh, your best for these two boys. And we gather our older kids and pray. It wasn't just me and Kitten in our room. They were two oldest. It was also anybody above the age of seven. So I had my seven-year-olds, my nine-year-olds, my 10 and 11-year-olds all praying, God, would you do a miracle? Would you do a miracle? Would you do something? You know? And we prayed continually. We prayed 
all the time. So that's three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But, but the night times we fasted. And so the little kids would eat. Little means like below six. And then the older kids would, would pray. And so this went on Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday. And we're tired. And some of us were fasting the whole three days. Uh, some of the older kids were fasting. By that time, I mean older, I'm meaning like 11. Um, so we're fasting and praying, God, would you do a miracle? Would you do a miracle? And um, it's now Saturday night. And it's our last time of fasting. They're leaving in the morning. And the uncle's on his way. He's got a train. He's on his way. He's got his ticket bought, right? So the social worker has called us again. Be, have him ready. I'll be there by, by 10 a.m., you know, whatever. And so I'm not, you know, the boys are like, we're not packing because we're not going, you know. And I'm, I'm torn between, like, standing in faith and believing them, and then, like, they need to get packed, you know. But, like, we, we stood in faith, and we said, okay, let's pray. Well, Saturday night comes. We're fasting and praying, and we're fasting and praying and fasting and praying and weeping and singing, worshiping and, and, and praying and all this kind of stuff is going on for a couple of hours, and Kidden just stops us. And Kidden is, like I said, about 12, 12 and a half, maybe 13 at the most. He says, stop, it's done. And I was like, maybe he's hungry. You know, <laughs> me of such great faith, <laughs> leading the way. And he says, um, stop, let's, 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 it's done. And I said, well, what happened? He goes, I saw a vision, and the vision, uh, I saw Jesus on the cross, and a drop of blood was falling from Jesus' leg, and it came down, 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 and it hit my uncle on the head. And my uncle cha- just shook the blood off, and he said, I changed my mind. They can stay there. And I'm like, well, that's, a, that's a beautiful vision, but like, you know. <laughs> but we, we do. We, we actually go and prepare food, and we eat, and we celebrate, and stand in faith with, 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 with our kids, you know. And so we do that, and, we, um, and then so Sunday morning comes, 9 o'clock comes. We didn't go to church that day because we were waiting for the, for the uncle to come. Uh, um, 9 o'clock comes, 10 o'clock comes, 11, 12, and finally, the social worker calls us, and he says, well, I went to the train station this morning, and their uncle didn't come. And I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing, you know. But I'm still thinking, what if he comes tomorrow? And he says, so I called him, and he, he said to me, you know what? Last night I was getting ready to get on the train, and I just had a change of mind. And, and the boys can stay there. That I'll never bother them again. I'm sorry I bothered them. They're yours for life. Yes. Right? Pray without ceasing. Um, Kitten is now a church planter in an unreached area of India, just to give you a picture of God's, God's design and God's amazing stuff. And the second point is to pray without doubt. Um, I, I used to read this verse all the time, uh, James 5.16. It spoke to me, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I've taught this verse, taught this, this, this thing to many people. And so as a new Christian, I would read that verse, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I felt like, that, you're out, Tammy. <laughs> you're not righteous. You're not perfect. You're not that great. You're, you're kind of dumb sometimes. You know, and so the prayer of a righteous person, you know, is powerful, effective. But your prayers, Tammy, I'm speaking to myself, are sometimes okay. And sometimes maybe good, but they're not powerful and effective. And then God just showed me over a season uh, all these verses, James 2, Galatians 3, Romans 4, all pointing back to Genesis 15:6, And it says this, Abraham believed God, and it was credited as righteousness. And something just sparked inside of me. What? Abraham believed God and it was credited as righteousness. If you've ever heard me teach, I probably have mentioned this somewhere because it's such a life thread inside of me. It probably just comes out. Abraham believed God and it was credited as righteousness. So 
the prayers of a believing person are now, I understood, to be what? Powerful and effective. If belief is credited as righteousness, then the prayers of a believing person are powerful. And you know what? I can't be perfect, but I can believe God. I can't be without fault and flawless, but I can definitely believe God. And so it just changed the way I, the way I did things. It changed. And you look at Abraham's story. You know, he wasn't even that perfect, was he? We know what Abraham did. He was, there was some shady stuff, y'all. And yet God called him his friend. He believed God. And he was called a friend of God. And it, it, it pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Abraham pleased God. And he was called God's friend. And uh, his belief was counted as righteousness. And so it just changed my prayer life a little bit. And um, I think about a believing person. I think about faith and a doubt. I'm going to tell you one story early on. And I know I told this story at youth. So forgive me, kids, guys, um, if you've heard it before. But it's a good one. So our very first Christmas, it's 1999. We've been opening the home in January. It's now 1999, our first Christmas. I've got 20 kids, 21 kids actually at that point. And so the kids come up to me with Kitten, the oldest. Uh, Tell Ma, uh, we need the crackers. And it was Christmas Eve morning at 9 o'clock in the morning. And he's saying, Tell Ma, we need the crackers. And I didn't know what crackers were. And I was like, what's he talking about? Saltines? Ritz? Like, what's he talking about? He was talking about firecrackers. And he said, Tama, they all came up to me. Tama, you must give us the crackers. It is Jesus' birthday. No, tomorrow we want to burst the crackers. And I, and I remember saying, you know, like, oh, that's so sweet, but, like, we don't have any more money. We don't have money for, for firecrackers. And they were like, no, you have to give us crackers because it's Jesus' birthday. No, all the other gods, look at them. They all have nice crackers. Jesus is king, but nothing for him. You know? And I was like, I feel so bad, but, like, we don't have money. And But, Tema, uh, you, you, you give us the crackers. Just buy some firecrackers. It's okay. It's nice. You know, and I was like, okay, guys, I don't have the money. If you want crackers so bad, go ask your Heavenly Father. So my kids get in a corner, all of them, except for maybe the two- and three-year-olds. They get in a, they get in a little huddle of, of probably 15 kids at that point, the older ones, and they just started praying the sweetest prayer you've ever heard. It was a believing prayer. They were praying without doubt. God, you can only, you own everything. Crackers is nothing for you. Look at all the other gods. Look, Shiva got crackers. Ganesh got crackers. But for us, you're nothing, God. You have to give us crackers. You provide for us. It's your birthday. We want to bless you. We want to celebrate your birthday. Please, God, please, God, give us the crackers. And so I was like, that's really sweet. And they ran out to play. That's Christmas Eve morning at 9 o'clock. Christmas Eve afternoon at 3 o'clock. We get a knock on the door, and it's the delivery guy, the, 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 the postman. Is that what y'all call it? Is that right? So he has a package, and he sets it down, and it's this big. And so we were just like, okay, and he leaves. It's wrapped in burlap and tar and rope, and it says South India, and it has our, has our name on it. And the kids start cheering. Yes, it's the crackers. Jesus did it. And I was thinking, and they were just like, he's so good. It only took six hours. You know, and, um, and I'm like, there is no way this is firecrackers, right? A, it's illegal to send explosives to the mill. B, it's just not. You know, and so, and so um, they come up and we get a knife and we start cutting. Actually, Steve was there. Pastor, your, your pastor was there with me. He was visiting at the time. He's helping me cut the box open. And we're cutting it open. And, uh, and the kids are going, crackers, crackers. And I'm like, y'all, stop. Look, we're going to be thankful for whatever it is. It's not going to be crackers. It's not possible. 
And I'll never forget my oldest son looking at me going, you're teasing us nicely. No, Tamma, you know it's crackers. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not teasing. You're always teasing us, always making jokes. I was like, no, it's not crackers, guys. So we open it up, and, uh, and sure enough, guys, what's inside of it? It's filled with fireworks, M80s, sticks of, like small sticks of dynamite. <laughs> And, and, and sparklers and bombs and smoke bombs and flash bombs and whatever. It was full. Everything that's illegal here, it's not legal there. It's not legal there. And so the kids shouted and cheered and were so happy. And we took them out, and we, and we just had the biggest party that night, Christmas Eve. We just shot off fireworks all night long. Steve, Steve was one of the ones that helped me do it, you know. And so, um, and, the, and, the, and I remember, never forget, Kidden just looked at me and goes, See, you were teasing nicely. You knew all along. No. And I said, Yeah. <laughs> I knew. I did not know. I lied. And, um, and so I think about that, praying without doubt. You know, the prayers of these kids, they had zero doubt this stuff was going to happen. I mean, it's, it's inconceivable that you can pray for fireworks at 9 o'clock one morning in, a, in, a, in, a, in India and get a package in the mail at 3 o'clock full of exactly what you prayed for, right? With no pre-planning, no involvement from any adults. We had nothing to do with it. It was all Jesus. And so we don't even know who sent it. It just said South India. We don't even know the return sender. There was no name. So, yes, pray without doubt. Pray without doubt. And it wasn't, you know, I I think God was so pleased with their belief. And uh, he's probably laughing at my doubt. But he was was definitely pleased with their belief. And he did it. It was amazing. And uh, the third point I think that God has kind of taught us over this time is to pray without offense. Now, this is the hardest one. But yeah, we're going to pray without doubt. Yay, we're going to pray without ceasing. We can do that. But praying without offense, now that's kind of like, woo that's a little hard, isn't it, to pray without offense. Let me tell you what I mean. I think about a friend of mine in uh, um, Asbury. He was a really, really close friend of mine. He had a car accident when I was there, and he was in a coma. And I remember going to his hospital, a few of us going, and we prayed, and we prayed and prayed and prayed without ceasing, and we prayed without doubt. I mean, actually, Mark's not here today. Mark, nice wonder, but he was, he was actually at, in Asbury at that time and in Wilmore, and he was with us, and he was praying too. You know, we were all just gathered as a bunch of us. There was, but at the core group, there was about eight of us just praying without ceasing, praying without doubt for John to be healed. You know, and, uh, and so we're praying, and the doctors say it can go either way. He's in a coma. He's, he was hit hard, and we're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying without doubt, pray without ceasing, and we're praying our hearts out. In fact, there was one moment where I stood, and I literally looked at him, and I was alone in the hospital room, and I said, you know, in the name of Jesus, awake, you know. And I knew that when I opened my eyes, that John was going to open his eyes. I had flawless faith. And guess what? I mean, flawless in the sense that I wasn't doubting. I don't mean flawless in the sense that it was perfect, but just a sense that that it was going to happen. And I opened my eyes, fully expecting him to make a joke or something like that, and nothing. And within 24 hours, he, he, was, he had passed away. And so I think about that. You know, of course, we were heartbroken. I was heartbroken. But my faith didn't die that day. And, and some people that were there and a part of that, they, they actually kind of fell away from the Lord. He was, you know, he was a really good friend. Um, his sister fell away from the Lord in that season. And she had been standing there believing with us. And she was one of the core group that was praying for, for healing. But for some reason... I didn't fall away. My faith did not die. 
at that moment, even though I was believing, I was praying without ceasing and praying without doubt. This is the hard part. I think that God has taught me and wants to teach us right now that we're supposed to place our faith in the man Jesus, not in the event or the outcome. It doesn't make sense. And the theology is kind of... It, it, there's not, the church sometimes lacks a good theology of that. We either have prosperity theology, would name it, claim it, it's going to be done. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying pray without ceasing, pray without doubt. Yes, it's going to be done, but at the same time, pray without offense. So you hold that in your, you hold those things together in this really weird relationship that they don't seem like they can go together, does it? Pray without doubt, pray without ceasing, and pray without offense. It actually doesn't seem like it goes together, but it actually goes together beautifully. You have to have, you have to have it. So I think about that, and I think about my faith was not in the healing or the event or the outcome. It was in the sense that I was praying for that, but my faith was not placed in that. My faith was placed in the man, the man Jesus, his character, his personality, his nature, who he is. And how do we get there? The person of Christ, his heart. How do we get there? This kind of faith, unoffendable faith, is only forged in one place. It's a secret place. There's no other way you can have this kind of faith. You know, it, it's not, it's, it, the, there's, a, there's a superficial faith that says, yes, God's going to heal him. In the name of Jesus, it's done. You know, and, and then he passes away. I'm not saying that. Yes, God, would you heal him? Would you do a miracle? And in the name of Jesus, wake up, John. But at the same time, my faith is not in the event or the healing. It's in something bigger than that. What is my faith in? It's in the man Jesus. How do I get there? the secret place. I had a mentor at Asbury uh, Seminary. Her name was Margaret Thurkelson. She's written a lot of books on prayer. Um, to let you know her personality and her age and her st- stature, she called Mark Nicewander a young man. She's like, oh, he's such a dear boy. And I was like, I wish he was here so I could make fun of him. But, um, but she said to me, she mentored me, and she mentored me during the season while I was at Asbury. And she said to me, Tammy, and she, you know, she was probably in her 80s, and she said, um, do you want to know the secret, the secret of prayer? And I was like, oh, boy, do I? Yes. You know, I'm like, yes. Yeah. She, she just kind of leans in closer to me. And I'm like, i got to take notes. i got to record this. This is going to be fantastic. What is this godly, saintly woman going to say to me? The secret of a, of a thriving prayer life. What is it? And she goes, you have to pray. And I was like... <laughs> Come on, it can't be that simple. And she just repeated it. Yeah, the secret is prayer. You have to pray. There's no other way. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, no, you know, there has to be something amazing that, that, that I'm missing. But it's not, it's that simple, isn't it? The secret to prayer, guess what the secret to prayer is, everybody? You have to pray. I know. Who would have ever thought that? And she said, if you want to become a woman of prayer, you learn how to pray. And so the secret to knowing Christ and spending time with him, it, it it becomes easier to understand his heart. The more time I spend with Jesus, the more easy it is for me to understand his heart and to know him, to know these things. One, he's for me. He's not against me. He's in my corner. He loves me. He's crazy about me. How do I know these things? Is it because some pastor told it to me? No, it's not going to go anywhere. It's because I spent time with him in the secret place and he begins giving me this fuel. Tammy, I love you. You're precious to me. What more do I need to prove it to, do to prove it to you? And he speaks to these, these things in the secret place. And I began understanding his heart for me is good. He's not against me. He's for me. And when I know that he's for me, you know, I, I began trusting his heart more. So even when my best friend dies on a hospital bed, 
my faith is not dead. You know, as much as I'm crushed, I'm heartbroken. It was a, a, a really a season of grief for me, for sure. But my faith was not dead. It didn't die with John that day because my faith was never in the healing. My faith was in the man, the person of Christ. There's no other way. There's no other secrets. Um, if you can, if you can spend time with him, you understand his affection, his joy, his uh, dare I say it, sense of humor, even. You know, God speaks to me sometimes with a little bit of a snarkiness. Maybe that's how I need to hear him. You know, and it's a little bit, I'm like, ouch, God, that kind of hurt. And he's like, I know, you needed it. And so that's, but, but that, that relationship comes through spending time day after day in, in the secret place where, where nobody else can see you. You know, it's not, a, it's, there's no other, there's no other shortcuts, I'm sorry. So um, when I speak of having an unoffendable heart, what do I mean? The picture I have in my head for this is um, Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And you've heard me speak about this before, if you've heard me speak anywhere. Um, they say, as they're getting ready to face the fire, our God is able. He will do it. But even if he doesn't. And so that's what I'm talking about. That's unoffendable spirit. Our God is able. He will do it 100%. He's going to do it, yes. But even if he doesn't, we're still good. We're still going to forward. And so that's what I'm talking about. Praying with an unoffendable heart. Praying with an unoffendable heart. And it's a hard thing to do. And I don't know that I've ever, ever do it perfectly. But I definitely have tried. And I definitely want to do it more. To pray with an unoffendable heart. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this. How many of you were here at the church in 2017 when I, was, when I got blacklisted from India? 2017. That was about five years ago. Who was here? Okay. Um, so you'll know this is to be true. Um, I was blacklisted. And I, was, I had to leave, and I went to Sri Lanka. And my idea that God had given me was, was, to, was to basically have the whole body of Christ pray me back in and worship me back in. Worship and prayer. Just let me go back in. Every one of my friends has been blacklisted. All of them were kicked out of India in 2017. Hundreds of people. There was a giant sweep around India. Any Christians, any foreigners who were Christians were kicked out. They were, they were blocked at entry. They were kicked out. They were escorted to the airport, whatever it might be. They were kicked out in 2017. My name was on the list. I was also blacklisted. And I was like, absolutely not. And so I went to Sri Lanka, and I just, God, I'm, I'm, I'm in turmoil. My friends have all left. My whole community of expats that I had known here and there were all gone. So I'm, I'm grieving the loss of, the, of that. At the same time, I'm, I'm believing the Lord without, you know, we pray without ceasing, and pray without doubt, and pray without offense to, to get back into India. And so you, you guys, you remember we all were part of that prayer service? Do you remember that time? I don't know what it was, but there's a bunch of people gathered in the church, and not just this church, churches all over the place, people in other countries. There was, I kid you not, there were thousands of people praying for me to get back in the country and, and worshiping at the same time. God, bring her back in the country. Please, God, do a miracle. And guys, I was blacklisted. I got off the plane, and I sensed God saying, walk fast. And so I was like, okay, I just walk fast. And I got in line, and I'm just shaking. I'm shaking like a leaf. Because I'm coming in from Sri Lanka to Bangalore. And I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm so scared. I'm like, okay, God. You know, I'm, I'm listening to worship music on my headphones. I'm like, I just, you know, just, just, I'm just trying to hear God. And I get to the line, and there's a few people in front of me. And there's a line with a really friendly guy with about six people in line. And there's a line with a really grumpy guy. He's just like, Ugh. and there's one person. And he's just growling at everybody. And so I'm like, I'm getting Mr. Friendly's line. You know, and so I, I get, kind of scoot over to that line, and the other line has nobody in it. And I was like, God, what line do I get in? And he's like, it doesn't matter. It's done. And so I was like, are you sure? And so I just kind of step out, and I go to Mr. Grumpy, 
And sure enough, he just looks at me and goes, and just stamps my passport. I've been blacklisted. And, and he scans it through the scanner and everything. And I get back in the country. And so, amazing, right? Y'all, that's huge. Hundreds of people have been kicked out of India. They haven't got back in. You know, I don't know if you guys know uh, Jimmy Gunderman. Anybody know him? He used to go here. Yeah. So, Jimmy came. He was, he was wanting to see if I was really blacklisted or not because he and I had the exact same visa. On the, through the exact same U.S. company and Indian company. And so, we had the same exact visa. And so, he tries to come in. He wasn't kicked out. He tries to come in. He's blocked. He wasn't allowed. He had to get back on a plane and fly back out again. He wasn't even allowed past immigration. And so he's like, Tammy, that's bad news for you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And it was so it was heart-wrenching, you know. And so, again, now you fast forward to two years ago, this summer, actually, just two years ago exactly, you know, a little more than two years ago. Um, I'm blacklisted again. And they're frustrated with me. And they call me in, and they start interrogating me. And what are you doing here? We blacklisted you five years ago, three years ago, whatever, five years ago, you know, whatever it was. 2017? I don't know. I can't do math, apparently. That's seven years ago, right? So for them, that was, they said, what, we blacklisted you five years ago. What are you, what are you doing here? How can you still be here? What's going on? You know, and they, oh, who are you? And tell us all the Christians that you're working with. And tell us all the people you know. And I would always be like, I'm not sure. I have a small, I have a really bad memory, you know. And I would never answer their questions. And they just kept calling me in and interrogating me and summoning me to their to the headquarters. This went on for several months. And at the end of it, it culminated with, now, the whole time, I'm, call, I'm again, I'm issuing a call to the body of Christ. Probably some of you guys remember that two years ago. How many of you guys prayed? Yeah. Um, well, I was hoping more prayed. <laughs> well, that explains it. <laughs> there we go. We want to find out why Tammy was kicked out. Okay. <laughs> so, but uh, two years ago, I had issued a call to prayer, and so many people around the country were praying, and around the globe were praying. The same, you know, uh, several thousand people. God, bring. Don't let Tammy get kicked out. She's getting interrogated. Protect her. Let her stay. We're all praying the same fervor, the same words, the same uh, belief without doubt. God, yes, do it, God, without ceasing. We're, I mean, we are in it to win it. We are 100% waiting for the miracle. And, and then I get, a, I get a visit from the police, and they say, you have one week to get out. And they literally escorted us to the, to the airport with one suitcase each. Me and, me and my daughter, Otome. And so they, they literally kicked us out, and the prayer wasn't answered. And I, can't, I got on the plane. Of course, I'm shell-shocked, and it took me, if you even interacted with me in the first nine months, I probably didn't even know it. I don't know if I interacted with you guys or not, because I was in a daze, hit, heartbroken, grieving. My kids are still there. I talk to them every day, somebody every day, several kids every day. My family is still there. Uh, my heart is still there 100%. And yet, guess what? Somehow, through a miracle of grace and through a miracle of like learning over year after year through hardships and trials, I wasn't offended with God. I felt like I should be offended. For heaven's sake, I have a good reason. Let me tell you my reason why I should be offended. Y'all can tell me if I have any merit, okay? Not before God, but just before man. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I have given up everything and went to India and spent my life pouring my life out among the poor, right? Right? Don't I have a right to, to expect God to come through when I pray? And don't I have a right to still be in India? You know, in the natural, we, of course, you're like, yeah, she's right. But, but here's the thing. You know, pray without offense. God's ways are higher, so I don't understand it. I have no desire to tie up me getting kicked out and deported with a pretty bow and attach meaning to it. I can't do that. I still don't know. And it's okay because I trust Jesus. He is for me. 
He is not against me. He's on my side. He delights in me. I trust him because I know him, and I know him because I spent time with him in the secret place. And so I'm, I'm not offended. I'm hurt, yes. I'm grieving, yes. I'm broken, yes. I miss my kids with pain, yes. But God is for me. He's not against me. I don't understand all this, but I choose not to be offended. And I think that this is something that God wants to teach the American church. And so that's kind of the thing that God's kind of put in my DNA for us as a body of believers. And so I'm going to pray this morning. I want you to just check your own hearts. Sometimes when we're offended with God for unanswered prayer or for something that happened that we didn't expect, if we don't deal with our offense, it creates a block and a wall between our prayer life and, and, and God. You know, he loves us. It's not, a, it's not a block for him. It's a block for us. And so I want you to ask yourself this morning, is there anything that I'm kind of holding on to that I feel shouldn't have happened to me or shouldn't have happened to my family or a prayer that wasn't answered or something I was believing for that didn't happen. And, and today can be a great day. It can be the day you let go of offense. And we're all human and we all have issues. And even as much as God taught me, I have to be retaught again and again. And even though I've seen God move, I still have to be retaught because I'm, I'm dumb like that. And so today, if you sense that you have something in your heart that you're offended with, the best thing you can possibly do is to give it to God. I call it spiritual vomit. When my kids were small and there was times when they were really sick, that kid right there, sorry, I'm going to embarrass you, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a time or two when maybe she puked all over me. But my only heart and concern was to help get her fever down, to get her well and get her feeling better. And, and you know, by the time I've done that, you know, I'm still covered. But I wasn't, I mean, I am human. It was a little gross. But I wasn't disgusted, and I wasn't put off. And I didn't consider it drudgery to clean her up. I didn't consider it drudgery to, deal, to help heal her. And the same thing is true of our Heavenly Father. You can just let him have it. God, this is what I feel. This is what's going on. This is how I, I know I've been holding on to this offense. I'm sorry, God. I, I felt like, oh, God, you know, and just like, just give it to him. And it, once you get it out, what happens? You feel what? You feel better. Right? You feel better, and God comes, and he heals, and he touches us. And so we're going to pray. We're going to have two different calls to ministry, I guess. And if the, if the band wants to come up, they can kind of get ready. Um, I don't know how that works. <laughs> um, so we're going to have a, just basically over here. I guess you guys have a ministry team. We have a ministry team here that's going to minister to you. If you feel like, I want that kind of faith. I want to believe God for impossible things. That's what faith is. It's radically believing God for impossible things. And so if you want that radical belief to, to believe him for impossible things, come over here and just ask God for it. And somebody, we're going to pray for you over here, you know, on this side of the room, I guess. And if you sense, hey, you know what, I've got some offense I need to deal with, maybe come over here on this side and we'll pray for you. And we'll pray for you and that, that God would help you drop the offense. And if you just want to pray alone, you can come right to the center. You can wrestle with God by yourself at the altar. That's come to define me many times too. Yeah. And so we're just going to pray. And um, if you sense, oh, why don't you guys stand? And um, I'm just going to pray a prayer over you. And if you feel like you want to respond, just come respond. I promise you, you don't have to leave here with any offense. You don't have to leave here with doubt. God can, God can change all that in a second. Just saying yes to him. It's nothing, it's nothing uh, magical. It's just a, a thing in our heart. Yes, God, we want more of you. Yes, I want to believe you for miracles. I want to believe you for impossible things. I want to have that kind of faith. And then I'm going to ask God to impart it to you. Or over here, I think I'm struggling with offense. 
I think I'm struggling with unanswered prayer and I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with it. Come over here and let God minister to you here too. Okay? Let's pray. So, um, Lord, would you come? Would you show us your heart, God? We love you. We love the way that you move and you have freedom to move in this place, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're so good and you're so kind to us. You love us so much. You're for us. You're not against us. Teach us to have a deeper prayer life, God. If there's people here in this room that say, I want a deeper prayer life. I want to go to the next level with God. I pray that you would bring them up to make that commitment to, to, with you, God, to, 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 to wrestle with them to that place, God. I pray, Lord, that you would come and let none of us remain unchanged in this moment, God. Uh, teach us what it means to believe you for impossible things. Teach us what it means to walk without offense. Teach us what it means to have a prayer life, to place our faith in you, the man, and not the outcome or the event. God, come and have your way in this place right now, we pray, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys can come forward if you want to, and somebody will pray for you. And you're welcome to come forward for bread and juice, as we call it in India. We don't call it communion. It's a big word for us. Come for the bread and juice and, and, uh, and connect with God. Uh, take it with your full heart and connect with him as you do.